Achieving Clarity podcast. My name is Ben Morley, an Air Force pilot turned consultant. Each episode, you will hear actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life, personal and professional, to achieve more clarity, purpose, and effectiveness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to your daily dose of practical clarity training. I wanted to talk today about this global time of massive, unchosen, enforced change. There's a big difference between change that you choose and the change that you do not. And the issue is that there's so much change going on and it's transition that is the problem, not the change. Change in life is inevitable, but transition, which is our response to change, is not inevitable. It needs to be a choice. If we do not navigate change well, we think change is the problem, or we think we should undo or resist the change or complain about the change. Now, not all change is good. You know, we'll certainly understand that. I've been, like you, through change personally, organizationally, different teams, etc. Change is an event. Transition is a process that we enter into in relation to the change and in response to the change. Though the change may be unchosen, the transition must be intentional. Change and, change and transition are related, but fundamentally different. The way you take control of unchosen change, like the pandemic, is by being intentional about the transitional experience that you have now been thrown into. Change happens to us. Transition is how we respond to it and use it and take advantage of it. Even grow and flourish in the change, even in the change we did not choose. To me, change is more circumstantial, environmental, contextual. Transition has more to do with psychological and emotional response to the external changes that are happening to us. Change, therefore, without transition, equals great suffering and loss, often drama and stress that is unnecessary. Because we have been thrown into change that happened to us, but we did not take charge of change by transitioning on our terms, by finding the good in it, the opportunity in it. So we just feel irritated and disoriented and upset by the change, so we suffer. For many people, when change happens, it becomes suffering. What stops it being suffering is to come out of it, out of the victim mentality of this, quote, this is what change has done to me in my world, quote. You gotta stop being victimized by change, and you now begin to see this is something I need to transition through and get proactive in. An example is going from single to married. There's people who are married and they're still, the guys are still acting single, hanging out with their single friends, doing single behavior, single things. There's many changes in life. You can go from work to retired, from no kids to kids, to change jobs, employed to self-employed, having a dog. What a massive change. There's a need for transition. Church is not online to now online. That required transitional thinking and transitional culture. Life is full of change. Most humans struggle with change, not because of the change. That's not the problem. 
The problem is you are not transitioning from one status, one situation, one stage of life to another. It is all down to how well you understand transition and how well you transition in life. So I'd like to present to you five helpful tips about change and transition. Number one, transition is not a hallway. It is a room in its own right. Transition requires its own special attention in in us as humans. If we do not see it like that, we see it as unnecessary to spend time there or do (laughs) a webinar or podcast about it. We can look at transition as a hallway, a place to walk through, not lived in. We think of transition as transitory, momentary, not permanent. We need to think of transition as its own space needing its own attention that has its own behavior and atmosphere, ambiance, values, expectations, furnishings. Things happen exclusively in this space. If we do not see this, then we do not see the value of transition. Transition is the season in between seasons. Because it doesn't have a name, we call it an in-between Nobody values the season in between seasons because we do not see it for what it is. We see it as the previous or the next season. Think of winter into spring. On the calendar, there's the first day of spring. (laughs) This is total news to spring. Spring began in the midst of winter, even back in autumn. Underneath we call winter, spring was still happening. Spring had already begun. So when we see daffodils and etc., and the calendar says so, we say spring has come, but it actually came much earlier. My point is this. If you only think spring happens when you enter the room called spring, you will not be ready for spring if metaphorically, quote, spring is a brand new opportunity, a role, a status, a condition in life, married to not single anymore, retired, etc., If that's the next room and you only started to adjust to it when you enter the room, it will hit you in the face. Didn't use the previous season to get ready for the next one, and what comes next can be the fault of that. So what if your season is 28 years? What if your corridor and season between seasons is 28 years, like Nelson Mandela in prison? What if three to four years is what the pandemic is. My point is, what we call season in between seasons, we think can be dismissed because it's temporary, it's transitory. What if the space you're going to spend a lot of time in in your life is years in transition? If you see it as a place of treading water, a place just to move through to get to the next location, you will spend your time in between seasons impatient, frustrated, unhappy, worried, depressed, moody, miserable, because you just didn't see the value of this space of seasons in between seasons. You need to learn how to frame it as a time for massive personal and organizational corporate reinvention. It is a time to get ready for what is coming next, even if you are not sure what is coming next. It is a time to lean in, get ready for the next room. If all you do is see it as a waste of time, you will rush into any room that becomes available, and that will be a disaster. 
We can tend to not see the value in the space between spaces, and since we are so unhappy and uncomfortable in a space we cannot name, we grasp at any opportunities and waste the purpose and the gift of transition. So slow down. Wait. Stop seeing it as a waste of time to spend any more time here. And I just need to get to another identifiable room I can name. Quote, I need to get to a season I can name. Because only then do we feel that we have orientation and clarity, or so we think. What the heck is this unclear, mushy thing in between I find myself in? That's our negative vibe. It's this energy toward this space, in between spaces that we call transition, and it's negative. If you do not have a permanent mindset in a place that you think is temporary, then this will be miserable for you. A lot of people in COVID spent the first two months ranting and raving against the machine, wanting to go back to where they were before, to the last room they were in. The gift is if you will reframe this as, quote, I am here. I have wasted three months raging against where I finished up because of COVID, and I have not used the time to intentionally use this phase well to settle down, to think, to change, to grow, to reinvent, to see this as a gift rather than an affliction, an imposition that I did not choose on my life. If we do not see this time in between as a gift, a season in its own right with distinct characteristics that requires distinct behaviors to interact with it like we do with any other season, then we will remain frustrated. We know how to dress and heat our homes differently in winter than we do in summer. We do not know what to, quote, wear in this between space, how to behave, how to live. We want to get rid of it as soon as possible because it does not tick our boxes of orientation or stability or certainty or clarity. Where we feel disoriented, we do not want to spend any more time there in life. But if you are there for a long time, in a transition maybe for years, thinking it a complete waste of time, and you leave it with no clarity, no strength, no growth, no flourishing, then we will stumble into the next thing almost behind the curve because we did not bring to the next room all the growth that we could have found in the transition. Do not feel bullied or manipulated or shoved around or dominated by change. You will if you don't take charge of change by entering into an intentional transitional behavior in this time. Transition is about being careful and intentional about the next room, the next season, that you are entering. If the next room and space you are entering does not exist, if it is not a known, named room in the house where you have lived before, then maybe you need to create one. This is why you have to slow down. If the next season you are entering has to be created, because none of the rooms or next seasons suit what is happening next for you, then you need to slow down. Maybe the next room has to be created, a business you need to create, an idea, a dream you need to imagine. Rather than going from your old role to a similar role, maybe there's more to this. Think of Netflix, Airbnb, 
Amazon. This is where they came from. They came from people realizing the next space did not actually look like their last space. It is, a, it is a completely different room that has never been in the house before. Slowing down in transition allows you to have the thought, I am not going back to what I had before. What I'm going to do next actually does not exist yet, but I'm using this time in between rooms, in between seasons, to reimagine, to create what I think my life looks like next. Because transition is a space not for left-brain logic, but for right-brain imagination. I'm going to reimagine, rethink, re-envision what comes next, rather than assume the last thing is going to dictate what is next. That's the gift of spending time in this middle season, the season in between seasons. You're going to wake up to an idea you would have never had in either season, either side, of the transition. Because once you are locked into a season, you start dancing to the tune of that season's requirements. What allows you to create an entirely new season next is that you take time in transition to imagine what is coming next isn't actually anything I've known before. It is a completely new idea. Point number two. Transitions should be identity-driven, not opportunity-driven. This is huge. When you are in a transition, as much of the world is now, although not many call it this, some are still waiting, quote, when can we get back to normal? <laughs> as if that was great. When you are in this space between spaces and you feel disrupted from the last thing you were doing, the life that you had, what you can be tempted to grasp for is anything that gives you the same security of financial stability or role identity or status or job, and this may be the worst thing you could do. If, during your midst of transition, in the middle of it, you are looking for an off-ramp, that's only to do with an opportunity, a job, a role, an offer, an invitation, then you are likely to dash into something just to get out of the in-between space. The best transitions I have found in my own life and others I have observed, the most successful transitions are ones that are more to do with who you are becoming and who you should be next rather than what you should do next. The next job, role, location, place, thing you do and who you do it with, what you are called, your badge and title is, the next thing should come out of the next you. If you step into the next thing without reinventing who you were supposed to become during your time in the space between spaces, grasping an opportunity which might be a good one, but it's bad for you because you are not the person you were before you entered into transition. If you do not understand, then, then you grab an opportunity, but then you're unhappy a few months in, wishing you had not taken that opportunity, knowing you took it because you were desperate and you wanted stability. I get that. But it's such a bad fit for you at this point and who you were starting to become in the space in between. A lot of people in this pandemic are realizing... <laughs> I actually hated my life, but I never got to say it. 
I now realize there is nothing I miss about that role I had, that status I had, that job I had. I do not miss anything about how my life was. This is the waking up to the realization that that job and role in life you had was actually an awful fit for who you were already becoming. And the frustration and the unhappiness and the stress in your life before the pandemic was evidence that your roles in life, responsibilities in life, were an awful fit, actually, for who you were all along. So the gift of transition and why I'm saying, oh, slow down, is you got to stop and think, hang on, on. before I grab an opportunity that I need to ask myself, who am I becoming? And is who I am becoming a good fit for this opportunity, this job or whatever, that I'm being offered? Or is it a good fit for going back to what I did before? And if it is not a good fit for who I'm becoming, then do not do it. Find some way or do it in a temporary position if you have to, but realize I'm not going to go back. And I'm going to go back for job security right now if I need to, to pay the bills. I get that. But I know now I cannot stay there. I'm going back into that space as a different version of me, and I'm not going back to settle down. I don't need to announce that, but knowing internally I'm going back only circumstantially, only financially, but I'm not going back into the version of me that job asked me to keep being. That genie is out of lamp, and it will not go back in. So be careful in transition to ensure that your transition is not driven by ego. Because ego is all about achievement, status, appearance, identity that we want people to see us as. Ego will make you grasp for things that keep your false sense of identity intact. Ego wants you to be seen as successful, accomplished, confident, capable. So ego wants to keep that version of us intact. If the last thing you did fed all of that status and identity, then the ego will lead you into finding something similar to keep that version of you intact. Do not let the ego be in the driving seat during your time in the space between spaces. Ego is concerned with achievement, but your soul is concerned with fulfillment. The ego is obsessed with achievement, but the soul is looking for happiness and peace and fulfillment. Achievement is to do with external things. Fulfillment is to do with internal happiness and peace. Which of these leads you during transition will determine how you leave this season of transition, this space between seasons and rooms. This is why transition must be identity-driven. Who am I becoming? That should determine what you do next. Rather than what's offered to you determines what you do next, where you get into that next opportunity and realize, man, I wish I had not done this because I'm so unhappy. Realizing I did it because I wanted some security and stability. I understand that. I get it. But it does not fit who I was becoming. So you cut short who you were becoming by making that drastic jump. 
who you were becoming is pushed back because the new opportunity has no room for that person. Who you were becoming in the next opportunity is a bad fit. So do not let your ego be in the driving seat in transition because from birth we are programmed to make choices based on status. Taught by nurture that we have to take a certain type of educational route to get a certain kind of career, have a certain kind of salary, income, certain kind of standard of living, and quality of life. We should live in a certain neighborhood, drive a certain car, keep certain company, have certain habits, and pastimes. From birth, our egoic identity is constructed for us in a social construct that tells us this is how you successfully navigate life. So when your ego is between spaces, in which case it lives undisturbed, now nothing that your ego reaches for as an identity is, isn't available anymore because you lost the status, you lost the job, you lost the money, you lost the security, you lost the adoration, you lost the appreciation, lost the applause. Now the ego is in meltdown and it will shout louder than ever in between spaces because it feels threatened that you might do something stupid. You might do something that says to it, shut up, I don't care anymore about that job, that role, that status, that title, that money. I'm sick of it. It was killing me. I now care about these things. These new things we're not on the radar of your ego at any other time of your life until the transitional space gave you time to wake up and become more conscious of who I should have been becoming all along. Because our social conditioning tells us that the ego should be in charge, even if you did not have this language for it, then it will lead you astray. Because conscious thinking is a result of subconscious programming. The ratio of these is huge. I think the conscious mind is around 20%, if that, of our thought life. Subconscious is the other 80%. So conscious thought is governed by and the result of 80% subconscious programming, and much of that subconscious programming you were absent for when it happened. You were a child. We were all kids. We were programmed at a young age with social constructs given to us, enforced on us, that this is who we should be and become. So the gift of the space between spaces, the gift of transition, is that you get to take your life off of subconscious autopilot that is flying you to the same destination as you were before. In this transition, take manual control of your life and fly it manually. It is exhausting at first, scary perhaps. It will hit your confidence at first because you do not know where in the hell you are going. And because you don't know where you're going, where, where you have been feels hugely attractive. Or some rejigged version of where you have been feels you know, hugely attractive as well compared to where you are going that you cannot articulate properly yet. This is why in the midst of transition, you need to pay attention to the serendipitous gifts of more calmness than you felt before. Being more present in your days. You know, some people now are much more aware of nature, 
Not because nature suddenly appeared, but because you got still enough, quiet enough, to recognize and hear it. It was not on your radar previously, but now in transition, you got still enough to recognize things, enjoy things, even enjoy yourself, and discover new facets of yourself. You are becoming a different person. This is all evidence of a different you waking up. Because transition gave you time and space to do these things if you don't rush through it like an adjoining hallway. You may be there for a long time. Sit down. Spend time with it. So, again, transition should be identity-driven, identity-led, not opportunity-led. Point number three. You are your most creative in transition. In my personal transition, my time in the spaces in between spaces, I have come up with my best ideas in life. I stopped, began to think what I should do with my life. Asked myself this, took time out and waited. I stayed completely away from the life I had, the job I had. I had to ask if I had to step away from a conditioning that tells me even in my transition that I should be around that neighborhood. At all. Maybe you should just get away from it all and allow space for a new you to wake up. It may mean your previous chapter has a place in your life, but it does not have the same place it used to have. They can still be a part of your tribe, but they are not your only tribe. Maybe you recognize you were in a bubble, and your transition can wake you up to your bubble status and allow you to get calm and still and they begin to become creative again. Many in pandemic speak of pivoting. Pivoting is only possible if you're doing what I'm speaking of here. Some version of it. You will not pivot if you are just trying to get back to where you came from. Pivoting is an uncoupling from where I've been and a refusal to force what is coming next and allowing space to shapeshift, to reinvent, to reimagine, and to shift to a new idea based on a new me that was always there, but the last thing I was doing was locking me into a role that did not let the next me come out and wake up. Point number four. Transition is the cocoon part of reinvention. Caterpillar, cocoon, butterfly. Transition, the space between spaces or transitions, the you between caterpillar you and butterfly you, is the cocoon part, which is the worst, scariest, darkest, lonely part of personal reinvention. The cocoon bit is where everything happens even if it appears nothing is happening. You cannot call the cocoon part just a hallway between caterpillar and butterfly. No way. The transition is the cocoon. If you slice into a cocoon, what you will not see is a caterpillar with wings. You will not see what it was or what it is becoming. If I take a photo of your life in transition, what I will not see, what people will not see, and what is bothering them is who we were and who we are becoming. They will not see the clear progression to the new you. That is not transition. That's why it is scary. 
So if you cut open a cocoon, what you will see is best described as caterpillar soup. Because in the cocoon, the caterpillar literally liquefies and melts down and has no identity. And that's what you and I feel like often in transition. And that's why nobody wants to spend time in seasons in between seasons. They do not want to spend time in the cocoon. Because while in the cocoon, it is the scariest, most disorienting part of our lives. And so we do rush for opportunities to tidy that up. So we rush to get something that gives us some sense of what is coming next. So when people look at us and talk with us, we can answer their questions. We can sort of say, yes, I'm going to be doing this, or yes, I'm thinking about this, and even try to, uh, while you're saying it, you, you, you know it's not true. So even as you try and enter into a discussion about what's next, you know what you are saying is faking it, because your ego is trying to present yourself as clearer than you are. What you are not willing to say, but have to learn to say is, I do not know. I do not know what is coming next. And that is okay. You do not need to tidy it up for people. You do not need to give it a label. Say it's okay. You're fine. And very few people that only ever knew the former version of you will be okay with that. They will think you are having a midlife crisis, or you are ill, or you are crazy, or weird, or irresponsible, or whatever words they use or suggest in the way they look at you. You have to be okay with not being okay. You have to be okay with not knowing what is coming next. And that's the cocoon part of transition, which nobody wants to spend a moment longer than they have to there. So the caterpillar has to be willing to commit identity suicide. The caterpillar has to be willing to go into identity meltdown from what it was, who it was, what it did, in order for the butterfly to wake up. Inside that fluid, in the cocoon, is something called imaginal discs. And on those discs, in that soup, is the DNA of a butterfly. How amazing is that? So when people look at you, like looking in a cocoon, it looks a mess. And all those people who cannot stand a mess are wired for order, who cannot stand a mess, wired for tidy and order and structure. They look at you in transition and they only see mess and they're obsessed with tidying it up, which means they start to give you labels and words and titles that do not fit who you are becoming. Do not accept it. Do not let them decide that for you. Do not take those badges, those labels, those identities. Do not do it because you are interrupting the cocoon part of your reinvention and you will come out of it a mess. You will come out of it some messed up version of you that could have been beautiful if you had said, no, thank you, I'm fine. And the cocoon, by definition, is isolating and dark and alone, and that's okay. Some of you can't stand being alone. Get used to it. You will not find your identity in a crowd. You do not find the next you in a crowd. You have to be on your own. Get away from opinion and noise and expectations of the pressure and demands of the status quo. Get on your own. Listen and develop self-awareness. 
grow and think, it was not me, it was never actually me. A lot of people are finding out that in this pandemic, they're finding this out. It's brilliant. Just imagine if out of this pandemic came millions of humans who said, I am done with dancing to the tune of that, of my past. I am done with being that version of me. Just imagine the creativity, the new ideas, the new businesses, the miraculous inventions and thoughts that will come from humans who had this stuff in them all along. But they were locked into their old version of themselves, locked into the old role identity, locked into the old ego's identities. Imagine to get free from that, to identify who we could become next and what can come out of us because of that. What our businesses and organizations could become if enough of us spent more time in the cocoon and were willing to let go of what we always thought we were supposed to be and realize that is not who we were supposed to be and spent the next years of our lives in this beautiful butterfly version of us. Imagine what we could do. So I want you to be okay with how scary the cocoon part is. I get it. I've been there. To step away from my career after decades when I could have stayed there and just cruised into my retirement. People thought I was crazy. I get it, but I was unhappy. I was unfulfilled because they were measuring me by my achievements. If you measure the metrics, the scoreboard, scoreboard and dashboard, they were saying, wow, you're doing great. I said, yeah, but you know, I'm fed up. I want to do something else with my life. I know it feels ungrateful to say, I do not want this life anymore when many would want your life. So we end up not saying it. And if you cannot find the courage to say it, then you unfortunately risk staying there. And you'll just finish up being miserable to keep others happy. Never surrender your happiness for other people's happiness. Do not do that. Never surrender the life you want for somebody else's version of the life they think you should have. Don't do that. When you find that out in the cocoon and you determine not to let anybody else into this space and tell me this is what you should be in your cocoon, what does it have to do with them? That's why you cannot find yourself in a crowd. Point number five, dress for where you are going, not for where you have been. This is a massive transitional skill. If you ever see people going on vacation during winter, heading to a warmer climate, they're dressed in sandals, shorts, flower shirts, maybe sunglasses, and it's rainy and cold where you are, they are dressed for where they are going. They certainly do not look happy or appropriately dressed for this climate right now. They're freezing currently, but they are focused on where they are going. Ever seen someone in a fancy dress, but they're not at the fancy dress party yet? They're just in the coffee shop or on the metro, and it, it just kind of looks weird, out of place. If you've ever been that person, you feel you need to explain yourself, <laughs> don't you? Uh, quote, I, I don't dress like this normally. I'm on my way to... Dot, dot, dot. Because you feel so uncomfortable since you are dressed for where you are going, but you are not there yet. Since you are not there yet, the people here can feel threatened by it 
and feel they have to educate you that that behavior, that mindset, that reading that book, listening to those people, keeping that company, attending that conference, being on that webinar, really? Why, why are you doing that? That's what I mean metaphorically dressing for where you are going is. You start to change your relational world, start to change your thinking, start to adjust who you listen to, where you spend your time, start to shift internally, emotionally, mentally, and you have new interests and people are like, whoa, I didn't think you would be the kind of person who would do that or be interested in that. And you feel like you need to explain yourself to people who are never going to get it. You owe no one an explanation about who you are becoming, especially people who are committed not to understand it because they are threatened by it. People who are parked up on who you were will not help you become who you are becoming next. People who you are married to, who you were, will not assist you in who you want to become next. Usually the people you have known the longest are the worst to be around in transition. So you have to dress for where you are going mentally and emotionally, relationally, circumstantially. You need to start to shift your life in the direction toward those voices that I'm now listening to. I think these voices are to do with who I'm becoming next because these voices are waking up a version of me that I know I need to pay attention to. And if that's all you know, then go with that. You do not need to know why or what becomes of that or what role that leads you to. You can determine that. That'll come later. Don't cut short those voices and urgings in your life just because you do not know and you can't explain to someone, well, I'm going to do this because. People who are driven by ego want you to answer them with, what is this for? And because you cannot say what it is for, because it has to do with your identity, not your doing, but who you are being, you can be embarrassed. So do not be pressured out of staying in that space of dressing for where you are going just because you're at the bus stop in a frenzy dress, as it were, just because you're becoming an awkward version of who you used to be because you are not that anymore. You're awkward and clumsy and you're going to have to step away from some people. You have to delete yourself from the WhatsApp channel. You'll have to say, no thanks, I won't be there on Friday night, or no, I cannot meet you for coffee every Wednesday anymore, or whatever you do will not be welcomed. People will think you're weird, stuck up, unkind, or arrogant, or whatever, because they do not know you are in a cocoon. And the worst thing you should do is leave the cocoon and go back to caterpillar life. Don't do it. Stay in that meltdown, because inside that melted-down version of you are the imaginal disks of the next you, and they will not develop unless you're given time in the cocoon, creating wings and antenna for the butterfly. Let the imaginal disks of the next you start to assemble themselves. Let the next you start to find its component parts and assemble itself. It will first happen mentally and emotionally before anything external makes sense to anybody. Because it is an identity process, it's not a raw opportunity process. What I am saying to do is this. Live from future to present reality. 
not from past-to-present reality. Most of us live most of our lives in a past-to-present reality because that is all we can do. Most of us as humans only live from what we've known to what we now know. We are the accumulation, aren't we, of our past. Past memories, experiences, relationships, etc. So most humans live all of their lives only in a past-to-present reality. What I'm asking you to do, and to dress for the future, is to live in a future back-to-present reality. In other words, you're going to live your life now in light of the life you have not lived yet. The problem is that we cannot live where we haven't been yet. We cannot be who we are not yet, is what the past-to-present keeps telling us. But you can. We tell ourselves we cannot be who we have never been, Yeah, you can. We cannot become who we don't know who that is yet. Yes, you can. Do it by leaning into the next you in the ways I'm describing. You do it by welcoming and leaning into, spending time around, paying attention to the things, the people, the voices, the energies, the atmosphere that you know are calling you, are drawing you forward rather than your past you, which pushes you from behind to repeat itself. This is the stuff of quantum physics. Quantum physics is non-sense, no sense. It's not nonsense. Quantum physics is non-sense. It makes no sense what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you now makes no sense to people who live all of their lives only in a past or present reality. The moment you start living in a future to present reality, they think you've lost your mind And also, many of them find it very scary and want to fix you. So I'm encouraging you, in dressing for where you are going, to live in a future-to-present reality self. You're going to get this if you just soak in it and think about it. So you begin to create a new personal reality as a future-to-present you. Not as a past-to-present you. Your new reality is governed by what's coming, not by what has been. So get around people, voices, places, energies that wake up the next you that you do not know what that's there for yet. You don't know who that's for yet. You don't know where that version of you is going, uh, what that job is going to be, where you will live or who you will know or who you'll do life with. It doesn't matter. That's the past you saying to the present you, quote, unless you answer these questions, stop, Your past to present says, hey, that's okay, but what about XYZ? It's your past that keeps saying to you, hey, answer me, dance to this tune, checks these boxes. The cocoon is about letting go of those boxes, letting go of those security blankets, those comfort zones, and saying, I don't don't know the answers, and that's okay. This is not to do with where I've been, and who I've been, or what I've done. This is to do with who I am becoming, and where I am going, and what I'll do, but I don't know what that is yet, because that comes out of the next you. It doesn't come out of the next thing. When you figure out who you are becoming, then you will automatically know. I I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be around those people. I, I, I don't want those energies. I don't want to be in that organization anymore, that job, that team. It's going to become effortless for you, and you are going to know 
this does not fit me, this is not good for me, and now I know which way to go. But I need to hold your hand here and say, please, in this transition, don't jump the fence and take off just because you got scared in the cocoon. It is scary, but that's okay. Out of that scariness will come the imaginal discs of who you are becoming, and who you are becoming is God's gift to the world through you, that he could not express himself through the last you in the way that he can, and in what's coming next through you, when we get the next version of you born, the next you has got all the answers for what the next you will do, but the next you comes before the next doing. I hope this has helped, guys. Thank you for listening to the Achieving Clarity Podcast. We hope you liked it. To hear more tools and strategies to help you in your personal and professional life, subscribe to our podcast. Thank you again.